Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Curry with a Side of Beans. I'm Curry. And I'm Beans. And today we finally record our first episode and we are very lucky to have a very special guest, Dr. Patel. Um, Could you explain kind of what you do? What do you work? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. Um, So I work on... as a therapist currently at a private practice. So I'm at two different locations. I work with kids, I would say 11 to 12 to young adults right now. And the the primary issues I see are anxiety, depression, ADHD, borderline uh, features within like young adults or teenagers, um, suicide ideation, as well as self-injury. hospitalization. So there's a range of all of different presentations I work with. And it's right now I still see patients in person, but I also do telehealth as well. Right. Um, thank you again. We want to thank you for being here. Uh, it really means a lot to us. Before we get into it, um, let's just say like, how's everyone's day going or week? How's everyone doing? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. I, I just had one of those weeks where it was just, you know, project, you, you don't, I think coming from high school to college, you have so much more free time. It's not structured out for you. Yeah. So there's this constant pressure, you know, like, should I be, be like busy right now? Like, what should I be doing? Should I be doing something social? Am I being left? Like, there's just so many different questions, especially, you know, Um, living in the dorms but even Evelyn I'm sure you can relate it's just I mean you guys but I think it's so different for you guys too because of COVID that like you're not really getting that traditional first year experience and being able to do some of those things that you typically would yeah because like right now um, at DePaul I've been kind of involved with like the Uh, DePaul Activities Board, where we host like virtual events. And it's just, just with college, you're being pulled in like a million directions. And we're not even on campus. Well, at least I'm not. And like, you have to balance school, you have to balance, I work like a full time job as a nanny. And so you have to balance school, you have to balance family work. And on top of that, like extracurricular activities. And I also want to get all these things done with like the podcast and like other projects that I've been working on. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to balance things. Exhausting. Um, <laughs> like when I look back at it now, I'm like, I don't know how I did all the things I did in college. Cause right now I don't even have the motivation to do half <laughs> the things that I'm supposed to do. And I was like, I wish I could be as most motivated as I was before. Yeah, I think like you definitely get burned out with so college and, and high school. Oh, it just, they just burn you out so much. Oh, mm-hmm. so does grad school. <laughs> oh, God. I did that for six years. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was a, a long time. I think I was, when I defended my dissertation in um, to, I think it was 2019. Yeah, I, I was just mm, like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you must have been so... Like to me, it's bad. I have one in-person class <laughs> and it's um, Monday through Thursday nights. 
and just doing that one in-person class like I'm always like man I'm so tired like <laughs> my mm-hmm. legs need a break <laughs> like, I, 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 I can't even fathom a world where you know people were constantly getting up and going places because that in itself takes so much energy and like <laughs> you know, going to grad school on top of doing all of that other school. Like, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's so hard for everybody now. So I'm actually happy that I finished everything like in 2019. So, yeah. and then my fellowship in 2020. And so then I was like, all right, this is okay now. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard too. I think even doing sessions like virtually, it's not the same as it would be in person. Have you found it to be like a lot harder to communicate with them? Um, it depends because um, last year I was finishing up my fellowship, my postdoctoral fellowship, and I was working at a therapeutic day school with kids um, with um, emotional and behavioral issues. They have IEPs. And so I had a caseload of like, I think like 10 to 12 kids um, that I would work with. And so it was like a hit or miss with certain kids um, who were engaged and some that weren't. So it was different. And you had to get really creative in that aspect. But I also understand it's hard. But the difference is now that I work with individuals a little bit more older, um, there's a different aspect to the level of motivation and engagement. So definitely, um, I do see a difference um, on that side of it. And that was that's also from private practice versus mm-hmm. like a school setting. So there's a lot of um, differences between both. Yeah. Have you worked in, in the public sector too or just the private yeah I have actually I did um so part of my grad school experience I have to do practicums and each are one year um like one year rotations in a sense um we do um one year of just like all psychological testing um that starts our second year of grad school and so we do that part-time while we're still going to school full-time um and our third year of school, we're doing our therapy practicum, same same system of like still going to school full time, practicum part time, um, and then third year, I mean the fourth year is your advanced practicum, so it can be a combination of both therapy and testing, or it can be one or the other. And then while there at during the, your fourth year, you're applying for your internship which is kind of like our version of residency, if you kind of want to like compare it, but that's also only a year long. And then um, depending on your state, oh, also during that, so that's your fifth year, your internship's your fifth year. And during that time, you should also be defending your dissertation. And then you're done with grad school um, at that point when you defend and like your internship ends. But per state requirements, some states require this, um, majority of them do, but it's doing a postdoctoral fellowship. So it's like one more year um, of supervision post graduation. And that, so I just finished that in 2020. I actually just submitted my application to the state actually last week to be able to sit for my EPPP exam. Um, but I need to get approval from the state before I can actually register for the exam so there's a whole process within it so. yeah that sounds like a lot of work um and I'm sure it can get overwhelming at times so I'm kind of wondering like what are some things that you do to like cope with like taking care of yourself and like de- de-stressing yeah no I've actually since the start of quarantine I've 
kind of picked up some new hobbies lately. I didn't even realize I knew this, but um, I, I was like, you know, I actually gave a presentation and I like laugh about this now, <laughs> but during my internship year, I, I did a presentation with another um, fellow therapist uh, for parents and it was on social media and mental health. And we talked about like some of the positives as well as negative as negatives associated with it. And I'm like, yeah, TikTok. And I was like, I'm never going to download it. I'm never going to get it. March hit last year and I got it. And I have spent so much time on it. And I'm just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I should be like studying for my exam or I should be doing like all the other things. Um, but I've actually seen like this other side to like how much I've like laughed a lot more with just some of the things that I'm like, wait, this is actually kind of fun and watching videos or other professionals and connecting that way. So that part I actually really enjoyed. And I laughed at that. I actually did a presentation on it for parents of like the downsides of certain social media apps. But I also from there, um, I did get a cricket machine. <laughs> And, and I'm just like, who, like, I'm not a very crafty or creative person at all. And so like, I learned all these different things because I saw them on TikTok and I was like, wait, I can make that versus having to buy it on Etsy and pay X amount of money for it. And then I got into like the resin stuff and mm -hmm. I like made all these different coasters and stuff. So like, I found that like creative outlet to be really relaxing for me. And just to let my steam off and just have yeah, like relax as well. So that was kind of fun to learn all these different parts of it. Um, so I still try to find like new skills. But the other part is too of like, I think I've started to binge watch a lot of different shows and I'm already <laughs> running out of things. Um, so I guess it could be a good thing or a bad thing. But I think more so just like being more mindful of actually taking time and also setting boundaries. I think I've had mm. to set a lot of boundaries where, no, I'm not going to respond to a patient after nine o'clock or mm. after like a certain time or respond to an email, email, even though, because we're constantly on our phone. So like, I have to make sure that I um, set boundaries in that sense and that I'm not constantly always working because I do work from home now sometimes or any of that. So I kind of make those expectations really clear. And then unless it's like an emergency and like absolutely I'm needed, yes, I'm definitely going to answer at that point, but kind of really making sure that I'm making time for myself as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you actually touch up on a lot of to good topics. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just about to say... Um, <laughs> Themes <laughs> that you, Dr. Patel, you touched on social media and mental health, and that's yes. something, um, you know, Beans and I, we've talked about a lot. And we were just wondering what your thoughts were because I remember when I personally, I first got um, an Instagram or like my mom, first of all, I begged my mom for one. <laughs> and she, she, she was always like, no, 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 especially in middle school, I feel like there's always all this pressure. And I remember I was seeing, you know, like two different sides to, the mental health story one is like you know like people found a lot of community in mental health it seems like you know that's a good thing and like people are finally having conversations about their mental health that were really stigmatized but also at the same time like I think 
I, I don't know. I feel like I see a lot of negative content on there too that can affect your mental health. So kind of, can you talk about, you know, the two sides of that and what like a normal person should do about it? <laughs> I even would say like redefining the like word normal because that that's up to everybody that like normal for me could be different from normal from for you or anybody out there. And I think there's this type or idea or notion that we should all be normal, right? And then that's where the stigma and the shame comes in with mental health. And I I think I'm going to make myself sound so old, <laughs> but I remember um, when Facebook like first opened up, it was right, it was for college students and everything. And then it transitioned and it opened up to everybody. And I actually was a senior in high school when that happened. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost going to be in college. I'll wait, I'll wait. And like, so that was in like 2006. So that was like when like, you know, we were like when I was going to college and that was kind of coming out. And so primarily I remember using Facebook as a form of communication and connecting with other people. And then over the years, right, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, there's all these different mm -hmm. platforms that are out there and actually sometimes they're very stressful I'm like I don't know how to do half those things anymore um I know the basics but I think the other part of it too is um I think I can like I think this would be a great point for like to kind of really go back into how I got started with all the work that I do and really going back into sharing my story of like how that ties into um like mental health and social media and so I actually um, I joke about this all the time. I was like, you know, I really came across psychology very, very accidentally. I actually probably got like a C minus or I don't even know, something lower than that probably um, in my Gen Psych 101 class. And here I am with a doctorate in clinical psychology now. So things can happen, guys. Have some faith. Um, but I remember, you know, I went to... Um, uh, I so, Like I went to a Gerba um, when I was um 21 it was in October um 2008 so I went to like this event where um it's just typically happens around like no October November ish and for like a week or I think two weeks um ish like Navratri and so I had gone and as we we're leaving like we got into really um, a minor car accident. It was like, we were going like 10, like less than 30 ish. Um, but it was a T-bone accident. Like it was a T-bone car crash. And I was like the second person from impact. And so I literally feel like I went like this and back and I couldn't move. Um, that little impact, actually I fractured my pelvis in three different spots on my left side and like my lower back hurt. Um, and I remember asking the paramedics, I'm like, are my teeth okay? <laughs> this is like priorities back in the day. I had braces, so I didn't want to go down that route. Um, and so like, they're very funny. So it kind of made like the journey to the hospital less painful. Um, but, you know, that recovery was a lot harder than I actually thought it was going to be. And that was the first time anything very tra like traumatic had happened to me. And up until then, like, I would say... I was pretty oblivious to a lot of things in life, I think, or maybe just naive in the sense that like I came from a family where, you know, like everything was done for me um, in the sense that like, you know, my, like I went home every weekend in college, not that I had to, but I just wanted to. Um, things were always done. So like, it wasn't really much of an independent 
independence stretch just yet. And like my car accident, like really pushed me a little bit further to, I think really having to deal with a lot of these things for the first time as, as like pretty, as a young adult that I never had to before, um, especially like, you know, in the Indian culture, you're, like there's a lot of like support and family um, dynamics that like, that was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, you'll do it later. I'm like, you'll do it later. And I never had to do anything. And then finally, when I had to do some of these things for the first time, it was very stressful because I didn't know how to cope. And especially with mental health, I didn't know how to deal with it. And there were like subtle changes that I didn't even know. I didn't even know that I was having panic attacks. Um, so I think when I went back to DePaul, like during the winter semester in January, so it was from right around midterms in October. And then you go back for those five more weeks before um, our six week break. And so I had to take those, um, finish a couple classes from home and then have the six weeks of recovery and physical therapy. And then I went back to school and then like, I don't know what happened. Like something changed and I was, I wish somebody had told me that, to slow down and not rush back into everything that I had once done. And I went back full force, like nothing ever happened and resumed everything. That was mistake number one. And um, the other part too, of like, I wanted to graduate with my friends. I didn't want to graduate like a semester later or over the summer, like anything else. I was determined. Um, and during that time too, like culturally, there's a lot of pressure of, you know, being Indian and being a biology major and that pressure of like, pretty much like, it's like that unknown stereotype of like, okay, well, the known stereotypes, sorry, of like, oh, pre-med, you're going to do like, you're going to go, whatever. I should have accepted this freshman year that I was not good at bio. I was not good at bio or my gem classes, but, you know, I still kept trying and trying and trying. And I think that like really added to the stress and I started feeling really anxious. I couldn't sleep, like to the point that I was feeling more physical symptoms of anxiety where it would my stomach would turn to the point that I would throw up not purposely but like my stomach was I felt like so much in pain that constantly in knots that like that would trigger that um and I knew what what was happening wasn't healthy but I just didn't know that whoa actually that's that's a panic attack and I didn't have the language for it um and I actually couldn't even eat by myself so like actually in the morning I would turn on the radio so that way I didn't feel like I was alone. I would get ready and then I would leave um, my apartment and not come back till like the nighttime. I would either go to my friend's place, I would go to the library, I would be everywhere but my apartment because I didn't want to be alone. So even just being around people that I wasn't even talking to, it helped me feel better and not alone. And so um, all of that, um, I eventually actually decided to secretly go um, to the counseling services at DePaul on the third floor <laughs> of the students. What is it? The student center, right? Probably. Uh, I have no idea. Oh, the student center. I think, I don't even remember the name anymore, but um, I went and I did one of those drop-in sessions that were like 15 minutes, which are free. I don't know what the policy is now, but I did that for um, a couple of times to the point that I would actually eat during those moments. Um, and they're like, are you sure you don't want to do like an in a formal intake to kind of like talk to somebody more frequently? And I was, I debated, I really did. I didn't know. Um, I even felt so 
like reflecting back, like it felt so embarrassed being there because I just was like, I can't believe I'm at this low point that there's something wrong, but I knew that I needed to get help. And so I did um, do the intake and then I called them back to um, see like, you know, who I would be working with. And they asked me if I wanted to work with a South Asian therapist. And I was like, nope, hell no, mm -mm, not one bit. But I, I knew where that was coming from because of the shame and stigma and especially like, you know, respecting your elders and coming from a culture that like, you know, there's so much shame associated with it to the point that there was a Muslim prayer um, room um, right before the counseling center door. And I would like either be on my phone or like hide my face or doing, because I had friends that would go pray and I didn't want them to see me going towards that direction towards the counseling door because I just, I didn't know any better. And I felt like it was shameful. And so I did, they're like, why don't you try and work on it? Try it and see how it goes. And I did, and I would have to say it was the best experience of my life. Um, I was not expecting what I got. And so that actually led, um, I really took every session seriously. Like I really wanted to understand what I was going through because no one ever talked about it at home. My mom, um, and like my mom would be like, you're fine, you're fine. Things are okay. Like, you know, so I ended up finally, um, utilizing that. And then after that, I changed my major to psychology. And I actually even interviewed um, for a master's program, like right after that, too. So like, it was like, Oh, wonderful. This is great. But like a long story short, this is a very long story. But getting to the point of social media, I ended up um, in so I never talked about those experiences, but I only talked about them with friends. So fast forward to um, 2011, I actually lost my mom to suicide. And, you know, that was something that was very difficult. And I did not publicly speak about it for many, many years. And there's just a lot of like shame and stigma associated with that as well. And we said it was a heart attack. But it's also like, I wasn't in my doctorate program just yet. I just started a master's program. So like, I didn't know any of these things. So um, in 2014, I actually wanted to do something, but I just didn't know what to do. And I wasn't ready to publicly speak about it, but I did find the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And I ended up signing up and I posted it, but I didn't say who I was walking for, but pretty much it was known that I was walk doing this for my mom. But like my like kind of coming out story with all of that was in 2015, where I did use Facebook to kind of share that story and dynamic. And I was so nervous because back then I knew nobody that talked about mental health publicly on social media. And this is in 2015. Um, and I lost my mom in 2011. And so there, nobody talked about it. None of my friends did in our group. Like, mental health really wasn't talked about as much as it is now. And there's still um, a lot of like stigma associated with it back in the day as well. And I thought that, you know, I, I, I really wanna speak up and say something because I didn't have anybody to relate to. I felt so alone and my friends were amazing and supporting me the best way they could. But I didn't have somebody I could go and talk to except for my therapist, but like really openly like talk to about the things I was going through. I felt so alone. And so the reason why I really wanted to speak up too is one, I was fed up with what the Indian community was saying about my family and just like that we wa wanted this to happen because we wanted the insurance money. Oh yeah, that was said. And um, 
and so and I, and being a very social and outgoing person like I thought I, I felt like I needed to kind of stand up and say something say something along the lines that like I want other young girls to know that they're not alone that you know there's someone out there that's actually gone through this and so I was very nervous I didn't know what kind of reaction I would get um but I did share and I have not looked back since um but it's also allowed me to connect connect with others with similar stories or build upon it and the opportunities I've had have been amazing but still to this day I still get nervous posting because I'm like is it too much or is it too little but I think that's what it's kind of gone to now of like oh am I, how am I how many likes am I getting or how many times is this getting viewed or this other part of it and like with that culture and mentality surrounding it now and I had a friend tell me that I read everything and support everything that you do and sometimes just know that um, I may not always like it or have comment on it but know that that supports there and it may not always come in a form of a like and I was like you know what, thank you so much for saying that because we get so caught up in all of this of like, well, is this enough? Is this whatever it is that, you know, when you talk about mental health issues or real problems, sometimes, you know, people don't like it or people don't acknowledge it. And then you feel like, is it not good enough? Versus if I posted a picture of my dog, like, you know, there's a difference in the type of content, content that you post that people are going to like or not. But then there's obviously like the negative side of that right of social media that there's more visible bullying there's more opportunities to troll people online to like make up fake accounts and do all these things because you feel more bold behind a computer screen than you do in person and you're going to attack people or say all these different parts especially like not that long ago on TikTok right there was a individual who died by suicide which was live streamed and you can't control those different aspects of it, but then you can control how you discuss and talk about it versus posting the video again to share more, for have people to view it. Like that's not the right way to go about it. Or there is that other part. I think one of your questions was about like, is it glamorized now? Mental health issues of like, is it taken into that context of like, are people either faking it? Are they doing it for more attention? Or is that their way of coping? And I think it could be both because there's no right or wrong way. Some people are more verbal. Some people may not post on all, any of those things. Yeah, again, you touched on a lot of good topics, but one that stood out to me the most was like these family pressures and stigma with help, getting help. Um, you know, as minorities and as um, brown people, mm -hmm. yeah, like I'm Hispanic and there's also these like stigmas that goes with getting help. It's like, you're fine. You don't need it. Yeah. Um, everyone has bad days, but like, that's, that's not how it is. And it's not just bad days. It's mental health that we need to take care of ourselves. And if we don't acknowledge, acknowledge it, if we don't engage in these discussions, then we're never going to get help that we need. Oh, no, I 100% agree. And I always start with, you know, the way to kind of target that point is to create that awareness, right? Like, especially if you're worried about somebody or you don't know where to start, just look at the signs and symptoms of what depression is or anxiety or these little things to know what to look out for. But those, uh, that other part is too, of like normalizing these conversations 
then when they do come up, like you don't feel shameful or guilty or any of that when you're going to talk to your parents and asking them for support or help or knowing where to go. And I think that's the biggest part of, okay, feeling that pressure of like academically, I must perform or I must do well. Um, especially when my parents came here from India, not really with much of an education. So as being the firstborn, I felt like there's so much pressure, right? And when I was anxious at school or like I left like one grad school program um, prior to getting into my doctorate, my dad's like, what are you, like, you're fine. Like, this is not really stress. I'm like, yeah, it is. And so like, it's like also that validation piece of things too, of like, you know, it is different. We do feel these things and imagine the support and um, communication that would be there and openness willing to communicate these things if that was there. So I do a lot of work with parents too of educating them or even just families too of like what are the signs like what can you do to approach somebody or like you know for example like you know with somebody that has suicidal ideation or um, has attempted or anything like that not like not giving them advice, but more so approaching it. How can I support you? How can I be there? Like, what are the resources and being there versus telling them, you know, life is worth living or like, you'll get over this. You're going to be fine. That's not what that person needs to hear in that moment. Uh, yeah, I, I, first of all, Dr. Fidel, thank you for everything saying. I think a lot of those cultural aspects, they definitely hit home for me. Mm -hmm. uh, in a way, I, I even got like emotional for a second. I don't know if it's Sunday or this is why I speak out. This is exactly why I speak out because yeah, I know I, I knew I wasn't the only one, but like um, you always need that one person to start, but I'm not the only one to start talking about it too. There's so many other um amazing like mental health advocates out there. And I love that there's so much more openness to this because that creates a conversation and helps normalize things. And I'm so excited that there's so many more people talking about this now versus back when I was doing it or I felt like I was so alone in, in that area. Yeah, um, definitely. But kind of you mentioned something about, you know, close relationships. You know, once you get over the cultural and you, the pressure and like you're ready to speak out about mental health or even like if you have a friend and you're worried about their mental health mm -hmm. I know uh, Beans and I were talking about this too I think nowadays in our like Gen Z language is like <laughs> oh I have homework I'm depressed you know I have yeah you know those types of and I definitely I've seen you like know people, words are like, being like thrown out very loosely Yes. And how do you how do you know what the difference is between, you know, someone who's actually suffering or is somebody being humorous? Because I definitely think it's led, you know, me to question some friendships like, are you OK? And then how do you even open that conversation? Um, just kind of your thoughts. Those on all are, of that. Those, no, those are really great, great questions. I think that's like very evident, too, where, um, you know, some like knowing when and how to approach somebody and then also knowing like is this something that's serious or are you joking or not and I obviously being a therapist I take like more of a direct route with that especially in session if I have to assess for a risk or not but the other parts too is like familiar familiarize yourself with you know what what is how does someone either behave or act that um is that may have depressed that may have depression symptoms presenting 
Um, or even anxiety, like Googling, like what are some of the symptoms, right? And if you know, and sometimes all do not have conversations like that in front of other people, um, more so one-on-one, right? Of like, hey, I'm kind of worried. I've just noticed A, B, and C that's kind of going on. Like, I just wanted to check in and see, are you okay? Um, and sometimes, yeah, people like, you know, when this this like I think is a pet peeve of mine because I have lost a parent to suicide but when people make jokes about like oh like you know just whatever whatever uh, I wish I could die or like just kill me now or that person's so annoying like I shoot me in the face like you know like those kind of comments that are very unnecessary but people joke about them all the time and I feel so uncomfortable when I hear it because my ears just kind of like pop up I'm like I will like notice it automatically um and I've kind of had to debate of like do I address this or do I call this out or not and sometimes I have and sometimes I haven't and part of me is like no that's not something you should really be joking about um and I have worked with individuals and obviously privacy like I'm not gonna I can't disclose anything but I can you know just really discuss the sense of like when um, mental health issues and suicide related comments have been used um, to kind of get what they want or to get what they want in the sense of like um, from parents or a certain type of attention or certain these things. And that's, you know, I can't say that that's gonna be always the case of what it is, but I have worked with individuals with that. And in that sense, like clinically, I work on like developing tools to really work with them on how to express what they're feeling and kind of identify like, is it more of an ideation, like a thought, or is this what I'm truly feeling? And how can we say it in using I feel statements and then work on like skill building as well that, you know, like that automatic go-to response isn't the negative um, maladaptive way, but more of like, okay, let's develop healthier ways and like loop in the family about that, right? So when you're talking about friends, and this is from like the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And I don't think I mentioned that I sit on the board of directors for the Illinois chapter, but I do. Um, and it's nice being the only South Asian um, female on there. Um, so helping bring voices for those that represent me or even may look like me. But um, going on to like some of what AFSP has is, you know, this is related to um, more of like the suicide um warning signs that are really important but I think this can also be applied to like depression and anxiety and other mental health issues but like you know there's three different uh, um, factors that you want to look into talk behavior and mood and when you're talking with talk you want to pay attention to um, how they're talking right are they talking about ending their lives Um, having no reason to live feeling like a burden feeling trapped or having unbearable pain. So like you kind of can pick up on those parts of those aspects of it. And the other part is too, when they talk about behavior, especially in college students, right? Um, Or young adults or even maybe teenagers, who knows? But is there any increase in drug and alcohol use? Um, Is that being used as a form of coping, vaping? I would probably even add that in or, um, Mm -hmm. or even weed, but also like issues, are there any issues with sleep? Are you, are you acting recklessly? Any like impulsive behaviors or risky behaviors? Um, the other one is, are you giving your stuff away? Or um, the other part is nowadays with social media, it's easy and very um, 
doable in the sense of looking up ways to either harm yourself or end your life because people will do that and sadly when you do google like a lot of these things there's some very graphic pictures on there and it's it's I wish there was more that we could do to kind of remove those and add more of like a safety procedure in there um and then the other part too especially with depression um as well are you isolating from like normal activities and things that you typically enjoy doing. And especially now with COVID, there has been more where we are isolated. We, I am seeing people for the first time in therapy that have never gone to, um, never had services before because there's more, um, they've been struggling to cope at home or struggling to be able to regulate and manage their emotions. And lastly, kind of going into like the mood part, right? Are, is there any depressive um, symptoms? Like are there any impulse impulsive behaviors, any anger, feeling irritated, or any anxiety. So all those different types of things kind of come in, but also kind of going back to what you talked about, how do I approach a friend, right? Um, if you're really concerned and worried about them, I would ask directly, like, um, and it depends on how you want to kind of really ask them too, but also like, you know, you're like, you've made this comment. I just wanted to check in. I was worried about you. Um, if anything, you feel like you're really worried, then do reach out to like, especially your um, either campus support, whoever's there, whoever you have to go to, or the counseling services there as well. Like, I'm really dealing with this like situation. How can you help me assist, assist in approaching this person? Or I'm worried about them and give their information. If anything, it gets worse and there has been attempts. Do not be afraid to call um, 911 or go to the emergency room, but trust your gut. I rather ask for forgiveness later than not feel like I didn't do something, but I also will be okay with a friend hating me or being mad at me for taking an action because I was worried about their mental health. And But I think there, I forget there's a study out there or I have to follow it up and I could send it to you guys. But there has been, um, since the start of COVID, um, and um, quarantining, people have been more open and receptive to seeking mental health support, which has been, um, which is great because it's showing that willingness to open up and be able to have those conversations as well. Um, and especially now with social media or connecting, we're always on our phone. So either we're reaching mm -hmm. out or some sort of attempt is being made. We actually had a question um, that someone sent in about related to this. How, answer it. <laughs> so once the conversation is opened up and mm. let's say like your friend approaches you and opens up about something that they're going through, how can you listen to someone? Have that be a safe space mm -hmm. rather than judgment, like have no judgment. I think the other, like the biggest part is don't give them advice on like how they should be or what they should do or steps and actions they, they should take, listen to them, take their guidance. And also if they just need somebody to sit there and quiet, then you give them that. And don't avoid minimizing their feelings. You wanna be there as support. And, but also don't be afraid to ask, how can I be so of support to you? Like, what do you need? And it's okay if they don't know but also like, okay, if they, they're wanting support or they're open to going to talk to somebody, you can help them look for those supports together. Um, stay with them. I've even offered friends when um, to go to their first session with them 
or um, either like wait outside or be in my car. Like I've done that before and offered that. So that way, like they don't feel like they're alone in there. And I would also just, you know, the other part is too, is don't making sure that you have those boundaries there, right? As for yourself too, because sometimes we think of like, oh crap, maybe I should do this or I should do that. Or I don't know if I'm doing enough. Make sure you're not like putting it solely on you like connecting them with a professional if whatever services, if possible, because sometimes it is hard, right? But if you're constantly feeling like you have to take care of anything, you're going to add stress on yourself. You're going to be worried that you're not doing as much or if you're doing too much. And so making sure that those boundaries are there, but then letting them know of the other services, so especially with school, right? Every school has a counseling department, um, and kind of figuring out what kind of services do they offer and being able to guide them through that process or even like sitting with them of looking up coping strategies, but figuring out like what they need and supporting them in that way. But it's okay if you both don't know. That, those are actually really good tips of like, it's in a process that you're learning together and honestly trying to educate yourself. Well, each other together. is a really good point too. I think mm -hmm. that like you bring up a good point of the education piece, but sometimes like you just want a friend and you just want mm -hmm. your friend to be there with you and listen to you and not give you advice or give the, give their two cents in. Kind of just going off of, you're talking about like coping strategies mm -hmm. and you know, <laughs> I think I, how do you tell what's, what's a healthy, this is a silly question. Yeah, no, but that's what's okay. Like a, <laughs> what's like a healthy coping strategy versus something that might be unhealthy because I feel like maybe sometimes you know something can feel good but it can be you know not the best for you <laughs> um, um I have a lot of discussions with my young adults and teenagers that sleeping is not a coping skill it is not that is a form of avoidance and withdrawal so that's something of like yes you're kind of you are taking rest to kind of really clear up your mind but the way that it is it's kind of going about that like even when you wake up eventually those feelings and thoughts and emotions are gonna come back so the other part of what I talk about is of you know being mindful that like you're not really like if you're taking medication, right? Not to mix it with alcohol or other substances. That is not a good coping skill either. Sometimes that route has been taken. Um, for somebody like with anxiety, and I do this for myself too all the time. And I feel like every time I have to give a disclaimer, every time I talk to my, my patients about it, I'm like, I promise you deep breathing works. It's the one of the most simplest ones, mindfulness activities, but it's, it's easier said than done, right? Who wants to sit there and breathe in and out to really focus on that part? But there's so much that just comes from that little skill and the different, like even um, using guided meditation or really like doing um, a grounded uh, mindfulness exercise too. And just really looking at like five things around the room four things that you can touch, you know, like all those different parts of it. There's so much there. Even exercising is a really great one. Um, I definitely recommend exercising when into like those that I've worked with, um, if they're he hesitant to medication or anything, I'm like, let's try this. Let's move around. Don't be in your bed all day. Limit your social media 
like intake as well because that could also be that you know like you're avoiding in that sense or you're constantly looking at other things but you think it's helping you get your mind off of things but it's more of another avoidance skill as well um I actually really like I mean take a hot shower um before bed that's another really good one too um I even put in there like I've put the, put in there of like talking to my friends, FaceTiming or even texting. Um, I'll usually, for, I have to force myself to get outside and take my dogs out on a walk in the cold, but it's more so, um, it's very different, right? For every person, it's so different. Um, for me, like those crafting activities and things that I've taught myself are very relaxing for me. I personally am not a uh, I can't sit there and journal. I just, have ne I could never do it. Even when I was in college, I just couldn't do it. But like doing other things is, has been really helpful for me. Um, and so I'll like find other ways to cope with that. But for some people, journaling has been really great. But I also say, I'm like, don't sit there and think that you have to like write for like an hour or 30 minutes or full on paragraph. I even put in there, I'm like, bullet point five things that you like were good in your day or something that you were struggling with. It could be whatever you want it to be, but having that, um, it just varies. It could be something, it depends. Like, you know, is it causing you harm in a way of like, is it making your symptoms feel better or is it only temporary? And the other part too, is like when you have those negative thoughts and especially with anxiety, sitting with those feelings and that is one of the harder things to do. Like who wants to sit there and feel that all day or go through that? You're going to look for things to help you feel better. But some of these skills that you do learn or are going are going to eventually learn, they take time to build, right? Building a habit takes 21 days, um, I think, uh, <laughs> what I had looked up. But it takes time to build those skills, right? But we're more likely to go out to utilize the skills that soothe us and are um, – make us feel better in that moment, but they're only temporary. And that's like the harder things I work with a lot of my patients with is build, skill building to be able to utilize those skills outside of our sessions and really talking about what is the motivation behind your actions, right? Is it helping me get through this in the moment or is this really something that I could utilize the next time I'm in this situation again? Yeah, all of those were super duper helpful. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I didn't give specific ones. Like, I feel like I could have, but it's, I think it depends, right? But it's also knowing like, what is the motivation behind the skill that you're using? Is it temporary or is it that it's really like making you feel better? So really reflecting in on what you're doing, right? And also like when you're talking about eating, right? Eating like, yeah, you're good. But then are you binge eating, right? Are you eating to make yourself feel better? So there's also those different parts to a lot of this there's a lot <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say that I personally I actually like journaling I just like to take like five fun. minutes to just dump everything that's in my mind and just close it and move on to the next day no, and I do and I sometimes have to do that too my other favorite oh this is kind of a coping skill that um I love to do too is like you know like write your favorite saying or your favorite quote put it on post-its put it all over your room wherever it needs to be or something that kind of can help motivate you but also you know that like that saying or that picture when you look at it or is it's there in front of you 
that really helps you through, then do that. That's okay. Um, and I also wanted to kind of go back to like your question from earlier, um, like what, you know, like when your friend or somebody reaches out, right? Or like, how can you be support for them? Like I had mentioned, like talking to them in private, listening is the biggest one that like stands out. Um, knowing to them that you're genuine, right? Like, I mean, not knowing to them, expressing your genuine concern, but also um, being there and so showing that you're, you care and that you're supportive. Um, and the other part mainly is not many people are very comfortable with asking, all right, do you feel like you're going to hurt yourself or do you feel like you're going to end your life? And especially like, you know, the word suicide is very stigmatized. So there's a different ways that you can kind of exactly what I said, like um, a few seconds ago of how to like ask it. But even then, like clinically, it wasn't a couple of years until a couple of years ago that I got comfortable myself saying it because I, I used to realize I'm like, oh, like that's really hard to say, um, but I had to part of my job. But I think that part too, it was like, you can get creative in the sense of like how you kind of ask it, or do you feel like you don't want to wake up in the morning sometimes, or you feel like things would be better if you weren't here, those kind of things too. And that can give you an idea of like, okay, maybe we really need to bring other people in right now. And also, um, I, I do like that more people are open about therapy and really talk about it. And like, yeah, my therapist said this. Mm -hmm. And I have, a, I have a patient who says like, yeah, my only therapist told me I can't do this or um, gives me some like, it's okay. You can use me as an excuse anytime. But you really want to, if they're open to it and they can, um, encourage them to seek those um, mental health services. Um, and it, like, again, too, like if you need to be there, that's okay. But um, biggest point is talk to them in private, listen, and help them find supportive services too, if anything. Because sometimes I think we had talked about from that um, minority culture standpoint, or that is it mental health can be shamed and stigmatized. So that support from families, and even in non-minority cultures too, right? Um, it could be stigmatized. So people are not going to want their families to know. And I think there's a, I do come across that a lot where people don't want their families to know that they're going through these things. Well, all, all of that was <laughs> very, very uh, helpful. I definitely think it's important to hear from you, Dr. Patel, because I think a lot of the times, you know, just in conversation, I don't know if you can relate uh, beans, but <laughs> you, a lot of advice gets cast <laughs> or like sometimes even I'll like sometimes accidentally spit out something and I'm like, wait, that's definitely that, not yeah. a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's not, not about thing. me, it's about them. But I think we have this, it could be cultural, it could be societal, but like the need to like, you know, provide support. You think you are doing a good thing, but sometimes that might not be what the person needs and validating them, but also asking them like, what is it you need? I don't know. I just want to say here, okay, that's all you do. Um, and I know that we all have a good intent of like providing that support, but also know that you're not an expert in it, right? And even though I'm a mental health professional, there's certain areas that I'm not, I don't specialize in, or I don't, um, I'm not as familiar working with. And for those, I will refer out because I want to make sure that I'm providing the best care possible. And if that's an area that I'm not um, either comfortable with, or I don't have a lot of experience in, I, I will refer a client out because I want to make sure that they are getting the best services possible. Any other questions that you have? I think you, it was one of the ones that I think you had brought up. And so like, I was making sure I had my stuff to mm. make 
Um, you know, when they're like, I think it brings up, like you talked about on uh, romanticizing mental health and what is normal and what's not normal, right? And um, I actually worked at an inpatient hospital during this time on the adolescent girls unit when um, 13 Reasons Why came out. And it definitely has caused a lot of controversy over the years. And just like how much of an increase in Google searches there were related to suicide, suicide then. And I also, I personally never saw the show. Um, I just didn't think I was ready for that show because I've worked with suicidal ideations, intense um, attempts as well. So, and personally with my mom, I just felt like, you know, that's something I just don't want to like watch or anything. But I do like, you know, there's that side people talked about, well, they're bringing up an issue that's really important to talk about. Yes, but it could be done differently. And then I think, I forget what it is. Maybe you guys might remember this or I don't know, but there's like certain, there was like a Facebook group, like Blue Whale or Blue Something, where like you had to complete all these different challenges related to self-harm. I may be getting the name wrong, but we did have a couple of hospitalizations related to that. Um, and there's, you know, more core, they're like researching online of like either like ways to end my life or ways to um, like the search intake was kind of going up related to that. Um, and so a lot of, sorry, it was like with all those headlines, right? Um, and it, it kind of took away from like the mental health aspect of like, oh yeah, this is a really serious issue. And when you talk about glamorizing it, right? or more so of like taking away from like the actual core issues related to it and more so of like, okay, well here, this is the like the plot of the story and it's to get back at the people that made you feel a certain way. But then, you know, it's like, it, it, it can, yes, anything can give anybody an idea, right? But it's also when you go back into, um, when you talk about um, like, you know, when famous people like when you talk about Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade right after that, right? And a lot of different things. So there can be a lot of copycats and um, actions afterwards, or they, it gives them that push to look it up, but also like, okay, if that person did it, then okay, I, I feel like I can, I've been feeling this way for a while, let me try to act on it. And so there's a lot of research behind some of that, but also more so it kind of goes into that part of um, connecting with other people, right? And there's that way of like encouragement of like, you know, on TikTok, I, I saw a video once, I actually reported it because I'm like, I do not think this is appropriate. And I debated if I should or not, but I did because it talked about, um, it definitely was, I think um, one, there should have been a trigger warning on it for those that may have ideations or maybe, you know, or have attempted or anything. But I think it kind of goes into like that dark humor side of things, right? And that could be a coping strategy. But then also the way that it goes about it is like, oh, let me, the only reason why I haven't taken my life is because I procrastinate it. You know, I'm a procrastinator. And then it, and then in the comments, there were people that were like, like, you know, talking about their ways or if I could or A, B, and C, like, no, 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 no. Like, we should not be talking, like, you know, like, yes, there's different ways to cope and stuff. But then there are a couple of comments of like, you know, that were not so nice about like attempting or taking it or like, you know, next time you've got this. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not appropriate. Um, but that might just be the mental health 
in and mental health like uh, therapist in me to be able to kind of really no 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 on that but um you know there's there's but that also brings up that point of like you know people believing like is therapy like legit does it is it even gonna work but then there's that other side of like oh no this person goes and sees the therapist then maybe I should too it kind of gives that hope so there's just like I think good and bad with it and there's a lot of awareness coming about I think we're not there fully just yet of really normalizing like mental health issues and making it it's okay and making it as acceptable to talk about but I think there's ways we can go about it to make it safer yeah because uh Curry and I were talking about how our generation likes to joke about it and likes to Mm-hmm. It, again with that dark humor it, it's it's very bad to the point where like you sometimes question like is that okay and I feel like if you by you questioning it it kind of like gives you a sense that it's not okay to be joking about these things because there's a big difference between normalizing and romanticizing um m- mental health and suicide um take the show because- you for example on Netflix <laughs> the main character where people are like oh yeah he can like like do a b and z to me anytime like oh god no <laughs> no yeah i definitely think so many show and it's tough because i i you know people love to laugh but i definitely think you know i definitely have those friends or like they'll come up in conversation and they'll be like oh that's just like joe's thing he just has dark humor and like that dark humor aspect goes like past, you know, like being like really brutal to, you know, not even mental health, but like to other people because their mental health becomes so bad. Like they'll start making bad comments about other people, this kind of subtle form of bullying. And I feel like that's even disguised in dark humor too. So I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back and forth of like, you know, you sometimes hear um, like, you know, with the younger kids or even older ones, um, having that safe space to talk about it and having that non-judgmental sp- space too. But there's that like, well, if I talk about it, then is it okay for me to talk about or is it not okay for me to talk about? Um, and where does that lie? Because even especially like the younger generation, especially like kids and your guys, like for you guys growing up, like you guys were all around social media. When I was growing up, there wasn't Facebook, right? Um, and it wasn't following me home. Yeah, like being obviously, like I, yeah, I was teased when I was younger about my name. It was different and stuff too. But like that sense of like it being at school versus now, there's so much that if the bullying continues with even at home or even any time of the day now. And I have to work with like supporting kids on that or parents of like, how do we, what what do we do? I'm not saying bullying in person was any better either. So, um, but it, times are changing with a lot of that. There's more like things available online. Yeah, there's just so much information available from such a young age. Like, I remember I was, you know, 10, 12, and I'm so lucky that, you know, that's when I think people start to really compare themselves to everyone. And that's when, you know, at least from, like, my personal experience, that's where a lot of my Mm -hmm. self-esteem, you know, issues built up was around that, like, 12, 13 age. 
and now, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that my parents were like, Hey, you can't get Instagram right now. You know, I did get it shortly yeah. after and that, you know, that definitely was odd. And now I take breaks and like, it's now like I understand setting how those boundaries, is. right? Like those, um, like for, especially those, like, right. Um, you want to make sure that you have like a certain time that you're setting aside for it um, and limit your scrolling. I am so guilty of this when I am telling you, like when I downloaded TikTok, I spent like two, three hours on it. I'm like, what am I doing? This is everything I was talking about. And I'm the one who's like a hypocrite right now. So I had to be like, oh God, no, I have to set my own boundaries because if I'm telling other people to do it and I'm not doing it, oh my God. <laughs> um, but also filtering the content that you see, right? Um, especially with body image issues or self-esteem and confidence, like you're going to see a lot of different things and a lot of different body types out there. And you're going to either feel insecure or feel worried that like, I don't look like that, or I don't feel like that. Or like, is that why I don't like maybe get more views or whatever it may be. So filtering that of like, it's okay. It's okay to unfollow people too. It's okay to unfollow people if you're getting, if you're feeling a certain way, that's okay. I felt unfollowed people where are like creators um, where I felt like I know, I, like seeing this makes me feel insecure sometimes. And I, not the person, but it's just like, I feel this way. So I'm going to make sure that I'm not constantly looking at things like this to make myself even worse. Um, and making sure you're reading stories or content from trusted sources even like you know and nowadays like there's so much like advertising on every app and feeling like this or like you know like health advice being given or whatever it may be but knowing who it's coming from is it coming from like a licensed professional or is it somebody that's getting paid to promote something um and that is something I was like wait I never had to think about that but it's so true and the other is like, you know, making sure that you're being cautious of the misinformation um, and avoid news right before bedtime. <laughs> and if, yeah. if you have to turn off your notifications too. I've done that from time to time where I'm like, I got I to gotta stop. Got to turn it off. Um, you actually yeah. uh, brought up a really good point about setting boundaries, but I, I've noticed that it's a lot easier said than done. And so do you have any advice of when it comes to setting boundaries with other people and how to like tell them no, how to say no? No, it's actually really, um, I think the first part is identify. Identify what areas you're struggling to implement boundaries in. So is it with family? Is it with friends? Is it with your work life balance, social life? Where are the boundaries kind of being blurred a little bit, right? Um, and then go into a little bit more detail of like, what about it is, what about it is something that you're noticing? Like, how are you responding? How are you reacting? Um, and again, if you have to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, have that, but also know that sometimes it might not be reciprocated back or it could be dismissed or you might get pushed back, but also know that like, you know what, you need to do what's best for you at that moment. Um, so it's kind of more sort of like boundary setting, uh, um, of like kind of guiding you with um, what specifically to do. Sorry, let me kind of pull that up. So first off, right, like when we talked about this, of like know what your boundaries are um, and then feeling and then having prompts. So if you're not, if you don't know exactly, right, 
what you need to say, there's, um, and I'll send this to you so you can share it. Um, but you can definitely say like, I'm not comfortable with this. I can't do that for you. This is not acceptable. So like, like you think about it this way, when a class project or something like that, right? It could be something that you feel like you're doing a lot more work for this or be like, oh, can do you mind just like getting this done? Like, and you feel like I constantly am always the one that's doing all this stuff that's a great time to kind of be like, you know, no, this is not acceptable. This has happened before. And I don't think it's okay as a group project. So like kind of finding ways to insert that in, but then also what you can do about it is like knowing how your body language is, being aware of like how you're coming off, right? Your verbal and nonverbal skills, planning ahead, knowing that if you're going to have these issues or come across any like triggers or stressors or might get pushback kind of plan out like what you might have if they say no how do you react if they say yes then okay like how would you respond to that um still being mindful and respectful of the situation like um so you want to avoid yelling um you name calling um or even giving them the silent treatment um but it's okay to be kind of it's okay to be firm but also um know that your message can be received a lot differently when I'm using a tone like this versus if I was yelling at you right now, like there's a difference, right? And the other part is compromising. Compromising with um, knowing the situation of like meeting halfway, if they're not like family, right? Setting those boundaries of like, okay, from this time to this time, I have to study and I have a class, right? So kind of putting that schedule up outside your door or letting people know of like, I'm not gonna be responding from this time. And if they give you like, some pushback on it, especially if it's friends or, um, well, maybe you, you're not kind of, why are we hanging out? What if you have like elderly parents at home or grandparents or other things that you want to be mindful of with COVID, right? Um, great excuse for you to use COVID. Like, you know, like, I'm sorry, I can't come out right now. I, I, I really need to do this. No, the biggest part is like, sometimes we don't, we're not aware of what boundaries we want or even want to set in place. So be, being aware of that is like the first step. Yeah, that's actually really helpful because I find myself not being assertive enough. Like sometimes I take in a lot of things and I'm just like, it's fine. It's, I can deal with it. But like, it comes to the point where like, sometimes you can't deal with it. Sometimes you have to, enough is enough. And like, there's, when there's a lot on your plate, it's kind of hard to you know, add more things and you have to take care of yourself at some point and, you know, step up and say no. I've actually, because I work from home a lot more now, I'm in my time is split half and half, um, either being in the clinic or being um, online. Um, I've actually like, I'm like, oh, I'm home. So maybe I can just like, you know, I can do another session or if they miss, I'm like, oh, I can do it like tomorrow at this time or whatever. But then that's not, I'm, I mean, yes, I'm uh, providing more flexibility and availability, but then that can allow the patient to feel like, okay, well, I, if I miss again, I know that she'll do this again. So that's okay, like more so. So the accountability is not there. Um, and so, and that's also that from my perspective that I didn't set clear boundaries to make it known that, okay, well, if I've done this once or twice, that's showing that I'm going to be willing to bend and be more flexible that if they do miss, that I'll always offer another option. So recently I've had to say no, and I'm like, mm, but I am free. No, I got to set those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important to set boundaries, not just in school, but like in social life, everywhere in every aspect.
Yeah, I totally agree. And I definitely think, um, you know, some of what you said about learning, like you don't even know what boundaries you need. <laughs> like, you know, you can be in your, I've, I've had this experience where I'm in my day-to-day life and I'm overwhelmed and I'm tired. I'm like, I need to set boundaries. And then I, I literally don't know where to start. Like, mm-hmm. like, is it with my family at home or is it with my classmates at school? Or like, is it work-related? And I, I think a lot of that is just because I used to not be as reflective. I used to, you know, be afraid of taking some time and really looking in the mirror and, you know, taking time for myself, so. And I'll send you this too, um, but it's also like, right, like you said, that awareness piece of things is really important. Like know your limits, know your values, listen to your emotions, um, having self-respect. That's a really big one too, because we can be dismissive of that. Um, But also respecting others as well being assertive, like just like how you kind of talked about. And then also considering the long view, like, is it going to be more harmful? Is it going to be more appropriate? Like being also aware of those things. And um, I'm going to send that to you guys right now too. But these are like things I like, I work with people on session with, and I'm like, it's okay. Like I didn't learn how to set boundaries until I was like in college. I didn't even know. And then I'm still setting boundaries like till this day. And there's still things that I'm learning about um, even as like a new professional within the field. Yeah, to- I. it's so important <laughs> in uh, everything. This conversation has just been really valuable to, to me personally, I think to take a step back from time to time and realize, you know, everyone, you know, has mental health and everyone <laughs> has a mind. So everyone needs to take care of their mental health and yeah, and actually, because you just said that, I actually have this tab open, and I'll send that to you guys too. But yeah. it's kind of just like tips about, um, you know, taking care of your mental health during uncertain times, especially during now too. Um, in the beginning, everybody was all about the Zoom calls and like getting together and playing, and I think that kind of like slowly has calmed down. Um, but it's still like finding like you know taking care of your mental and physical health. Um, stay focused on what you can and what you can control. Um, and cause we can worry about what we can't and that kind of takes a lot out of us and it takes a lot of energy out of us to staying connected and well, other ways that you can kind of support as well. But also like, if you don't know where to find resources it's nice to know that, you know Google will always be your good friend to go with that. But also um, psychologytoday.com is a great research to find a therapist or a psychiatrist if needed. And it's nice because you can search by insurance type, you can search by, you know, their area of focus, where they live, or I mean, where you live within the area. And then you can also do religion too. If, if you want a therapist that's South Asian, you can find a South Asian therapist um, or a Hispanic therapist or somebody that is more religious based and using their approaches in session. Um, I'm more of a, I, I use more CBT in a relational approach, um, cognitive behavioral therapy and um, utilizing that. But I also utilize other um, interventions in, but primarily those are my two main focuses. So you can also go and search from those as well. So there's a lot of different things that are there. Yes, and we will definitely share these resources in, in the description of the podcast with everyone. But do you have anything else you would like to add? Any last words or pieces of, yeah. of advice? 
No, absolutely. I think this is this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and also knowing that um, I think my biggest advice is especially for college students. I know times are very different right now, but I going to the counseling services as, since I did go to DePaul, um, I think was one of the best decisions I ever made in life, especially for myself. Um, not knowing that this was something I was feeling. And then I actually found out that in therapy that I wasn't the only one feeling this, which helped me feel so much better and normalize my experiences. And it helped me know that I wasn't alone in those feelings, that there was others that felt the same way. And that was pretty normal, especially for first time college, like, you know, for being away home from home for the first time, especially like as a freshman, right? Um, all these different parts of it that can be really difficult. Um, and I'll also give you kind of resources too um, from, I'll give you the link for resources from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, but also we have a lot of volunteering opportunities with um, the Illinois chapter, which I serve on the board of directors for. And also like we, we're gonna be host, we do host, um, I'm part of the D, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And I am the co-chair of it with two other amazing people. And um, every month or every other month, we're we put on like webinars and panels. So we have one coming up, I think February 23rd, it might be, in the, uh, it's still in the works, but it's more of a one-on-one -on -one, um, conversation related to Black History Month that I will be moderating with a fellow board member and really talking about like the importance of like, um, mental health issues within the black community, the African-American community, as well as like, where do we, how do you feel as a, even as a therapist, or is there any cultural biases going on? Or am I addressing something wrong? And did that deter a client from coming back and seeing me? So it's also an awareness piece for clinicians out there of like, okay, it's okay that like, you know, there's certain things, but it's also okay to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. But knowing and being aware will help you be a better therapist and being able to provide those services for somebody else to connect with as well. So that is one. And then I believe I am doing and monitoring another one, potentially like in March sometime, but related to, um, I think, uh, mental health issues within um, young adults within the BIPOC community. So these are ongoing conversations that we're still like figuring out, but it's more so those intimate one-on-one -on -one conversations, but those more of those real talk conversations that need to be had. Yes, definitely. Um, and just a quick question, are these events free, correct? Yes, they're all free. They're all, all free. So I will send you, um, if you sign up for the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention Illinois chapters newsletter, you will get them or also like it'll be posted on our um, Instagram page or Facebook or Twitter on there. Um, so you'll be able to get that too. But if anybody is struggling with any um, suicidal ideations or anything like that, there's a lot of resources available too um, from AFSP.org. Um, and also ways that you can volunteer or get involved as if that's something that you would like to do as well. So um, I will definitely send that to you right now, but there's also resources for um, those within the minority community um, and under a representative population of like mental health issues or stressors or access or resources. There's a lot, of, um, there's everything the AFSV has there on their website as well. I'll, I'll be the first one to say, well, thank you, Dr. Kale, for being on Curry with a Side of Beans. 
this has been a really awesome, honest, uh, raw, and just a very, I think, comforting conversation to have all around about, you know, different ways people can cope, because I know everyone's lives are busy after the new year, and, you know, you still have to prioritize mental health, and this has been a fantastic message to whoever's listening. Honestly, we're so thankful uh, for you just being here and taking the time and also sharing your story. I know that that must have been hard. And we are really grateful for that this opportunity. And yeah. I we are so glad you're our first cast. We started off with a good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a lot of pressure. No, no, no. Thank you guys so much. I'm so glad that you guys are. But I think it's great. I think that you guys are adding to a much needed conversation. And we need more of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you yeah. that means a lot <laughs> yeah. we're we're very glad to hear from you so thank yeah. you <laughs> anytime. have me on anytime <laughs> oh perfect i think okay. that's gonna be like a wrap up yeah thanks again for listening um yeah. everyone out there uh, follow our socials at Curry with the Side of Beans. Email us if you have any topics, suggestions, curry with the side of beans at gmail.com. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> and once for listening and have a great one. <laughs>